Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Monday, June 14th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On today's show, star columnist Vahe Gregorian and I talk about the Quinn Snyder years at Missouri. He was the Tigers coach from 1999 until 2006, and the tenure ended with a mid-season departure. Whether he was fired or resigned, a little bit of both, I think, he was out in February. But Snyder marvelously has reconstructed his career. He's in his seventh season as the Utah Jazz head coach, and the team had the best record in the NBA this regular season. Heading into tonight's Western Conference semifinal game against the LA Clippers, the Jazz hold a 2-1 lead in the series. Vahe and I talk about the Snyder tenure at Mizzou, the good and the bad, and we marvel at how he picked up the pieces and, after Missouri, took the career road less traveled. Let's get started. We're here to talk Quinn Snyder with Vahe Gregorian, but before we do, Vahe, I think this is the first time that you and I have been in a room together talking for a podcast face-to-face since I can't remember. Um, this is So this would be the first podcast that I've done that didn't involve Zoom or a telephone call that was actually speaking to somebody sitting across from me. And I can remember you and I being in this, we're in the studio at the Star's office and getting George Brett and Denny Matthews and Kevin Harlan and people like that over the phone, both talking to them. You'd get a column out of it and I'd get a podcast. But just for you and I to have a discussion, uh, this is a first in at least several months. At, at least. And it's conceivably just the one-on-one part, you and the two of us talking I don't know. It might go back to pre-Super Bowl LV. Maybe. It might I mean, be. Because it was, it was March. All of a sudden it was March after that. And we were probably out on the road a lot in February. Mm-hmm. And maybe we did something over at, at the then Sprint Center. I don't know. But it's been a while. Luckily, I see your face every now and then anyway. <laughs> but you're a good-looking guy. It's nice to see you without the mask. And we, we are absolute Zoom buddies. <laughs> That's right. And we are maskless. We're distant. We're socially distant. Yes. We're, but we are maskless. And um, But like I said, the reason that we're chatting today is to talk Quinn Snyder. And vaccinated, I just want to say. Yes, okay. fully, fully vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, so let's, let's talk Quinn. And the reason we're talking Quinn is because it's NBA playoff time. He's the coach of the Utah Jazz. He's in his seventh season. Utah had the best record in the NBA this year, so they're the top seed in the West. They're playing the L.A. Clippers in the Western Conference semifinals. The Jazz lead the series 2-1. to one. They got smoked on, um, uh, on uh, Saturday. So the, the series resumes tonight, Monday. Jazz are favored, but who, who knows? It just seems like a, the NBA playoffs are wide open. I just thought... Let's talk about Quinn. Maybe they'll lose at some point, and, and um, we won't get a chance to do it. So I just thought let's let's talk Quinn while he, while he's still while the Jazz are still alive. They're, they are a, a terrific team. Donovan Mitchell's been great. Rudy Gobert is the best defensive player in the NBA, three-time Defensive Player of the Year. But the reason Quinn Snyder is very interesting to us is because of the the six-plus seasons he spent at Missouri. Now. I was covering the Big 12 during those years, which meant I, I wasn't at all Missouri games, probably a handful of games each year. 
And I don't think you were the Missouri beat writer for for the Quinn years. I, I wasn't. For, I was I maybe was, for some of them. You know, in, we had somewhat parallel lives going on. I was kind of doing a similar. You over here in Kansas City, you were more Big Twelve emphasis. I was more a little regional footprint into the Big Ten, but kind of just a, a little different sort of job than covering the beat, but with sort of, you know, free safety uh, opportunities to swoop in on, on the Missouri stuff, as, as I'm sure you did too. Absolutely. I was writing columns then and would head over to Columbia or even on the road with the Tigers. And it was a fascinating time with Quinn Snyder. Let's, let's talk about First of all, how he got to Missouri, why he got to Missouri in the end of Norm Stewart. It's the 1998-99 season. Missouri's actually having a pretty good year. Albert White is their best player. Keon Dooling and Clarence Gilbert are freshmen on that team. Uh, and Missouri finishes 11-5 and in the Big 12. They finished second to Texas. That was the Rick Barnes' only championship team at Texas. And the end of the season is near, and... 64-year-old Norm Stewart finds himself out of a job. And to this day, I think there's still a little ambiguity about uh, the Norm Stewart exit. It's funny. There is. And I think it's still true that only three or four people really know. But you make me laugh on that point, just not to belabor this point too much. But I remember the, the day it happened, I was on the Metrolink coming back from the Final Four. And I got the call, like, Norm Stewart's out. I'm like, what? And made a flurry of calls as I'm sure it was just as much of a story over here as it was in St. Louis. And the information I was getting from like four really good sources was completely conflicting. Like two said he was, he was ousted. Two said it was his choice. And that's how I wrote it. I had an appointment with Norm the next morning. I probably told you the story, but I I go to see him and I walk in his office and he goes, he just looks up at me, goes, I am incensed with you. I'm incensed with your newspaper. That article was ridiculous. Okay, what do you need? (laughs) And that's just kind of how it became with Norm. And I think he probably understood that there was intentional confusion uh, around the situation. But to your bigger point here, the reason I get into that is that I do think there was almost a conscious, not that they were seeking the anti-Norm, but they wanted something different. And a 30, I think Quinn was 35. 30, 32. 32. He was exactly half, 32. Of, half of Norm Stewart's age. Half Norm Stewart's age. The hottest you know, young coach in the country. I'd been to a Duke game that year for, for a story on Chris Carowell out of St. Louis. And I remember being in the locker room. It might have been the year before. But it was in the locker room and seeing that everybody in the locker room was gravitating to this assistant coach. Like he was holding court in the locker room and... So I gravitated, and, and, and he was enchanting. I mean, you know, you, you could tell he was so smart, so charismatic, and around that time, you know, his name starts popping up on these lists. And anyway, more, more than I needed to well, say on that. But. Well, I can remember in the 89, in what turned out to be Norm Stewart's final year, Duke was phenomenal. Duke had a tremendous team, Elton Brand, Shane Battier. They went 37-2, and two, mm. got to the championship mm. game in Tampa, lost to uh, Rip Hamilton's UConn team. But everybody thought that was the, the best Duke team they'd ever seen to that point, and that was Quinn was the lead assistant on that team. And what I remember is during NCAA tournament games, when the coach would do the halftime walk-off interview, it wouldn't be Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah. It was Quinn. Yeah. So Mike, Mike Krzyzewski was, was, was preparing Quinn Snyder to become a head coach. Yeah. And so Norm Stewart is out. 
as Missouri's coach. That's <laughs> <laughs> the verb I think we'll, we'll, we'll go with. Somebody, uh, a guy in our paper, Kevin Horrigan, I think, used the, the old Soviet term. Like He, he was resigned. <laughs> Perfect. That, that may be somewhere along the line. Sorry, go ahead. So the job's open. And it comes down to a couple of candidates, one of whom is Quinn Snyder. The other is Bill Self. In his second season, I believe, at Tulsa. They just gone to the Elite Eight that year, or I, was it the year before? I right was, around then. Yes. It would be the next year they would go to the Elite Eight. He'd been to the NCAA tournament ah, a couple times. That's it. Okay. And then the next year he took Tulsa to the Elite Eight. But Quinn gets the job over, over Bill Self. And a new era of Missouri basketball begins... I remember being pretty excited about it, and I remember at the time thinking, look, um, they, they did get the number one assistant coach, maybe the, the hottest coaching candidate in college basketball was, was Quinn Snyder, and Missouri landed him. A hundred percent, that was the feeling. I remember thinking, like, going to the press conference that day, just thinking, I, I can't believe they got this guy. Um, and not really understanding, what, obviously, where Bill Self was headed. I do like to no, think about knew. the parallel universe in which Missouri hired Bill. Like, wait, where, where that would have taken Missouri? Where it would have taken Bill? Where it would have taken Kansas? Where it would have taken Kansas? Does, no. I don't think you go in the modern era. I don't think you go from Missouri to Kansas. Uh, I no, mean, I don't <laughs> no. think that would happen that, that, that would, way. That would not have happened. I don't believe. Um, but, but the bigger point again is that was the choice Missouri made. And look, it was it appeared fundamentally sound, right? I mean, it, you're going to create. Uh, you're going to energize the program with this, you know, fascinating guy who comes with this pedigree. Um, seemed like a home run. It, it made sense on a couple of levels. First of all, um, the the Missouri Kansas rivalry. We all know what it is, what it has been. But Quinn was part of the Duke North Carolina rivalry. He was going to bring, you know, he he understood that. Yeah. You know what 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 it was like to. You know, to coach against your you know hated rival, and so that was good. He was going to bring that perspective. Kansas at the time, coached by Roy Williams from North Carolina, so we're going to have a little Duke North Carolina, as if Missouri Kansas needed it, but it just <laughs> right, right. It added to what the, another tier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and Quinn's first game against Kansas was stunning. It was in Hearn Center. It's. Uh, a a it's a good Missouri team and one that would go on and be in the NCAA tournament, but not a great Missouri team. And they they blew Kansas out of the water. They destroyed them. I wasn't there covering it. I remember it was a Saturday afternoon game, watching it on television, and uh, it, it, Missouri ends up winning by twenty two. They were never really threatened in the game. And this was a Kansas team that had Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich, and Drew Gooden as freshmen. So it's a great, and I remember Quinn coming to the post-game interview, dripping in perspiration, just dripping. John Sunvold, we were talking. John and I were talking about this last week. He was the one who did the interview, and there's Quinn's got a big smile on his face. It it could not have been a a greater moment for a first-time Missouri coach against Kansas to to win the way he won, and I just remember. Believing at the time, well, this is going to be fantastic. Missouri and Kansas with Roy established at KU. Quinn coming in and doing this in his first game against the Jayhawks. Wow, how much fun is this going to be? Yeah, I think that. And and look, let's 
I think this is right, Blair. Missouri, had, the last NCAA tournament game Missouri had won at that point was its um, win over Indiana in Boise before it lost to UCLA. And then I don't think they ever won again under Norm in they the didn't. NCAA. They didn't. They had and that terrible loss to New Mexico. Norm's last game Norm's was last against game. New Mexico, yeah. right? And, and in so, Denver. again, you're sort of feeling this, like, okay, a, a restart, you know, revitalization and... Um, I think one of the things people really expected out of Quinn, of course, was going to be this phenomenal recruiting. Um, meanwhile, though, while we're seeing this happen, we've, we've got rumblings already of the trouble to come because that summer, before he even coached a game, they, they brought in, uh, if memory serves right, it was Arthur Johnson and Ricky Paulding's parents on a plane flight. And the, the red flag there was that um, this was a rule coaches knew you can't, you can't do. And that they did, and there was there was just a weird little rumbling coming from that. Like, what are these guys going to be about? And are, are they going to play fast and loose with the rules? And didn't he come from Coach K? And don't they batten down the hatches on these yeah, things? It's like, is this what they did at Duke? Yeah, and and you know, and how much uh, you know the the public private uh, question about record searches and things like that. You know, it, that wasn't quite yet at that point, but it did it did sort of make a little little mini tremor like huh what, what's going to be happening and of course it became a frantic and sort of chaotic era and you know arguably i think you could even say corrupt i mean there were a lot of problems to come which i bring up now at most not to dump on that i'm i i think it's a really important point to make when you see somebody have such success now that you know this is a redemptive story and I, we can i, I don't want to Dominate like I already have. Uh, no, no, but I, I could finish the thought. But I do want to go back to the beginning years of yeah, Quinn at Missouri. Yeah, just that. Just that. I, I'm think when I'm speaking about these things, I'm really thinking about the arc of from where he came to where this is now, and we can get into that more. But I, I guess I just want to make that point. I, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to. You know, bludgeon the past and and, and all that. But it, it it is the foundation of this story, right? And it's instructive that. Things were happening very early in Quinn's career that uh, that, that spoke to the the troubles that he had toward the end of his tenure at, yeah. at Missouri as well. The 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 some of the bigger moments of uh, of Quinn's in, in big decisions that were in early in Quinn's career were he had to convince. Keon Dooling and uh, and Clarence Gilbert to come back yeah, after their freshman yeah, year, re-recruit yeah. him, and and Kareem Rush was part of you know, was was in the recruiting class that year. So these were all big moments for Quinn Snyder, and he and he got them all. He got the yeah. Dooling and Gilbert to back to come back, and he got you know uh, 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 Kareem Rush to to sign with Mizzou, and those guys ended up providing the foundation for. Some nice teams that Missouri and Quinn Snyder had. So in Quinn's second year, they they beat Georgia in the NCAA tournament and then lose to Duke. And then to Duke. Okay, in, I, was, I think that, that was Marquette. What year was Marquette? That was later. That was in 03. Okay. So, so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Quinn's second year. They go to, I think, in Greensboro. They end up losing to Duke in the second round. So it was a great story for yeah. Quinn to come back and play Duke in, in North Carolina. It's the third year. So the uh, the uh, two thousand one two thousand two season expectations are really high because all these guys are back from Missouri and actually the Tigers climbed to number two in the country 
in and, and win their first, I don't know, I think eight or nine games and climb to number two. Of course, they lose to Illinois because that's what Missouri did in those years. Lost a bunch of games in a row to Illinois, and they stumbled. They stumbled. It got out of the polls. Um, it, it was like, a, oh my gosh, this this season is spiraling out of control. They get to <clears throat> Selection Sunday, and they are the last team in. Now, this was before we knew the NCAA announced who the last team was. But again, I'll refer back to John Sunvold. He was working for CBS at the time, and CBS official told him that Missouri was the last team in the tournament that year, and they were the number 12 seed in the West. And what do they do? <laughs> they just go on this tremendous run. I think Miami was the first. Uh, they beat Miami. You know, the Ohio State was part of that. Wasn't UCLA? And UCLA, Jason yeah. Capono's team, UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the three they beat. I forgot the order, but it was Miami, yeah. Ohio State, and UCLA. And then they play Oklahoma, the team that just – Kelvin Sampson's team with Hollis Price and Qantas yeah. White that always gave Missouri trouble, and they, they beat Missouri in the Elite Eight. But So three seasons in, he has – I know he's beaten KU twice at Hearn Center the first couple of years. And, and in his third season, they get the number two in the country and then lose in the Elite Eight. I think the Quinn Snyder future is just really, really bright at Missouri. Yeah. There's one more year where they go back to the NCAA tournament. They beat Southern Illinois and lose to Marquette. Is that how it went? I think so. I think that's right. They lost to Dwayne Wade's Marquette yes. team yes. there. And, um, and and so that's four years, four NCAA tournaments for Quinn Snyder. And by now, Ricky Paulding, Arthur Johnson, that group has uh, re- replaced Dueling and Gilbert. And they're they're the new, you know... It just seems like talent had, had replaced talent there. But then then trouble comes for Missouri after that fourth year. And let's take a break. And when we come back, you and I will talk about the, the final years of Quinn Snyder and then what's happened to Quinn since then. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, back with Vahe Gregorian, and we're talking about the Missouri career of Quinn Snyder and what it means and um, and, and what Quinn Snyder is, uh, how he's parlayed failure at Missouri into success today. We talked about the early Quinn years and there was a lot to like about those in terms of success on the court. But you mentioned in the in the first segment that he was doing he, he did some things that you just kind of wondered about, you know, with the rules. And you know, I don't I don't I don't know if it's fair to say well everybody does it or everybody's doing the work in the gray area or whatever. But it would certainly raised eyebrows and some questions. And in his final two and a half years at Missouri, 
He didn't go to the NCAA tournament. The controversy around the program just was um, – it was incredible. Um, just drama all the time. And that final year was just just one – Day after another of nothing, just headline news drama. Oh my gosh! So let's. So in years five and six, they don't go to the NCAA tournament. They go to the NIT, and one year they <clears throat> they win a game. And the next year they don't. But they're five hundred type years. <clears throat> I remember there was some. There was the pressure was building on him. The yeah. Pressure was building on Missouri to make a change, and maybe things got a little desperate. For for Quinn and recruiting, and he ends up with a a recruit who is the ultimate embarrassment for the program. Yeah, and and that's of course Ricky Clemens, and you know there's a there's a there's a long tangled story to Ricky Clemens, who was who was, as I recall, um, in a pretty precarious situation as a kid. I, I think that he was abused, moved around, a, a really troubled young man, and and. I have naturally sympathy for that, but also what that begins to become a problem when you're a troubled young man and, and you're being brought into a program with those troubles and no apparent way to, you know, work with them. And, and, and it was, in a way, it epitomized those last couple of years because it, it just seemed like, to your point, they, they were... I don't know if desperation was was exactly it, but inside it was. I mean, I, I think that they were like, well, we need to do this because we need him because we need to win, et cetera. And um, the, I remember one of the things that defined that time was thinking of it this way, that they their argument for not knowing about what was going on with Ricky Clemens was sort of superseded by their argument that they could make unlimited calls to him because uh, Lane Odom considered himself a mentor to Ricky. Like the, the whole, and that's one of those things, people do operate in gray areas, but not sort of brazenly. And, and this was not quite well finessed. And there was just, and, and it was part of just this bubbling feeling all the time, right? There's always something like, what is happening there? I remember going. It was 2006, right? I guess when when was Gary Link made the move. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I was in um, Torino for the Olympics, and I remember getting there, and you know the Missouri Mafia is everywhere in the in the media. <laughs> yep. And like the first seven people I saw in Torino, Italy, are like, when are they going to get rid of Quinn Snyder? What's going on there? <laughs> and it was like, it just kind of gave you an indication of how <laughs> widespread the feeling was that something was something was not right. You know, with when I think back at the the, the Clemens story and saga, you know, there were the jailhouse, jailhouse tapes. There was the ATV, ATV, you know, accident, embarrassing moments certainly for Missouri. But those weren't NCAA violations. The NCAA violations were the recruiting and, right. um, and academic. There's some academic, a lot of academic questions raised yeah. about Ricky Clemens, and Missouri ended up getting. Three years of probation, but they didn't. They didn't have to. Um, it was a loss of scholarship and recruiting off campus, which are killers for college basketball. But they didn't lose postseason eligibility. But at that point, it didn't matter. They were not a postseason type of team. So, um, so Quinn Snyder is back for his seventh year. I'll never forget the game at uh, against Illinois. They lose by thirty-two. 
at Scott, I think, it's, you know, Scott Trade Center. Yeah. And as he's exiting yeah. the floor, popcorn rains down on yeah. him. Somebody spilled their popcorn bucket on him. And he doesn't, doesn't even stop, you know. Yeah. I, I wish Quinn had just turned, you know, sh- shaken his fist at the guy or something or pointed. Instead, he just keeps walking with the popcorn raining down on him. Yeah, yeah. It was a terrible sight. Terrible, terrible sight. Yeah. Embarrassing, and nobody deserves that. No, no. Um, a few weeks later, they lose to Baylor by 26 points. This was pre, you know, Baylor being what it is yeah, today. This yeah. was Baylor when Baylor was the at the bottom of the Big 12. And um and and then then comes the the, the ridiculous, you know, messaging when it comes to the firing of Quinn Snyder. How do you remember that playing out? I just remember thinking like in a time where Missouri you couldn't make the stuff up it just kept blossoming that way. Like, I, I, when, I, I've still never had a talk with Mike Alden or Gary Link about the dynamics of that. I mean, in fact, the star was on that story in a way we never could at the Post-Dispatch. We didn't, I, I, at least as I recall. I Mike, mean, I, Mike I, DeArmond was covering yeah, yeah, Missouri and, for and us. Mike, Mike, Mike had the inner track to that in, in a way that uh, we never got to in St. Louis. And, and that was just, but it was so par for the course at the time. Remember, that was part of what led to uh, <laughs> dissension with with whether Mike Alden should make the next hire and even, you know, that drama when Mike Anderson was being hired of whether Mike Alden was going to retain his job that day. That was that Sunday in, in Columbia when <laughs> yes. it looked like Mike Alden was going to be out of a job, but wait, they fired their basketball coach and, and Mike Anderson was hired. Turns out by the end of the day, Mike Anderson was the new basketball coach and Mike Alden was still the athletic director. But but just as, as I understand it, Mike Alden sent – Mike Alden and Quinn Snyder obviously were not communicating yeah. very well at the time. Yeah. So it's Gary Link who's the intermediary yeah. between Mike Alden and Quinn Snyder. Mike sends – Gary to tell Quinn that he'll be fired by at the end. This will be his last year. You've got until the end of the season, and Quinn basically the next day resigns after telling his after telling the media earlier in the week that he was not going to resign. Yeah, but on that I think it was a Friday he ends up resigning, and it's Melvin Watkins who finishes the year for Missouri. So so Quinn is out of a job. Missouri's kind of in shambles right now in basketball, even though they, they did beat KU that year. Um, that was the Christian Moody missed free throw game. Oh, yeah. Thomas yeah. Gardner scored 40. It was a great yeah, – yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that was the Moody game. But I do remember yeah. Missouri won, and Thomas Gardner was great. Yeah. But um, – Like 32 or 38, maybe I think he had 40. 40. Maybe it was 40. 40. Yeah, yeah. But um, – so, so Quinn is out of basketball. He basically spends the next – I don't know, eight to ten months out of out of basketball altogether. I don't know where he was at the time. But he becomes the head coach of the Austin Toros of the NBA's G League. And his road to redemption starts, you know, at the at, in minor league professional basketball. He lasts three years there and he does a terrific job. Um, they win more games. He sends more players to the NBA than anybody else during that time in the G League. Goes from there to the uh, to the NBA, where he's an assistant coach for three different teams over a four year period. But in the fourth year, he spends in Moscow, coaching a, in the Russian professional league in Moscow, 
It's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. So after that stretch of uh, of being an assistant coach in the NBA and in Moscow, in 2014 he's hired as the head coach of the Utah Jazz. I was, I guess you know, in all honesty, I wasn't keeping up as much with Quinn at that yeah. time. No, me neither. I, I remember, I, I do remember him being at Austin. But anyway, he he gets the head coaching job at Utah, and I, I think. First or second, first two years they're not in the playoffs, but they've been in the playoffs ever since. And now they're, if not the best team in the NBA, one of the best teams in the NBA. And it's just a remarkable achievement for for Quinn Snyder. I'm 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 really happy for him, and I'm pulling for him. Same here. Same I'm here. absolutely pulling for Utah. I, I need a horse to back in these NBA playoffs, yeah, yeah. And, and Utah's the one I'm backing. Yeah, I feel like you do about him, and I feel like. A little bit because we automatically have a little sense of connection to him from him being here, but but really more so because you sense he's paid his dues, he's had tribulations. Um, you know, the Austin Toros part of this is a kind of really cool part of the story, as is Moscow and all and all that. But but it makes you feel like, all right, he knew he was he was on the wrong path. He was going to stay in coaching, right? But he but I guess he recognized during that time. I don't think it was ever thought he was going to go back to collegiate coaching once he went to the D League. I don't I just I just don't think he thought that. I don't I don't know. I haven't spoken with him about it. Um I don't know what really what he thought other than I'm I'm in the moment and I'm doing this now and I think um there's something else about him too though that that uh is part of this. I just feel like however you want to term it, he either grew up or came to understand something about himself that he, that he hadn't when he was coaching at Missouri. And I think you alluded to this in the story you wrote today, question of fit. And I don't know if the fit was a question in, in, about being in Columbia. I don't think it was that. I think it was about whether his particular unique skill set um, plays better as a collegiate head coach or plays better as an NBA head coach. I, I guess we have the answer. I think we do. He, in an interview, uh, at some point while he was early in his jazz career, he said something about, in the G League, you can make mistakes and really nobody notices that. And I, it got me thinking, if Quinn's first job out of Duke had been at a mid-major mm-hmm. and not you know, Big 12 Missouri, mm-hmm. high profile, you know, Power 5, all that, mm-hmm. where he could have made mistakes and nobody noticed... Would he have been better served on that trajectory than you know coming straight from the Duke bench to the Missouri, you know, head coaching position? Yeah, and you know it's funny that I hadn't thought about it when you referred to that quote. I hadn't necessarily thought about it that way that he was maybe more broadly saying that, but in a manner of speaking, maybe that's the point he was making because he was obviously quite scrutinized in Columbia. Um, and scrutinized in ways, again, that maybe they weren't used to at Duke. It sounds funny, right? They had incredible publicity at Duke. But also, it he wasn't the head coach, of course. And um, I think also at, at, a, at a school of that nature, you're not, you know, the lens is different. And I think that it was, um, one way or another, it was not, it was not suitable to him the way it was. So, yeah, imagine put him in Carbondale for two years. Um, and maybe that, that changes the, the the trajectory. Maybe. Yeah, perhaps. I'll, I'll um, 
John Sunvold also mentioned something that I didn't put in the story, but it resonated with me that uh, going from a private school at Duke to the state's flagship public university is a bigger jump, not a jump, but a bigger transition than maybe some people realize that at Duke, you probably get to pick and choose. As an assistant at Duke, you really have very little responsibility other than gravitate toward players in the locker room. You know, players gravitate toward you know Quinn in the locker room and, and be that guy. And Mike Krzyzewski handles the CEO duties of, mm-hmm. of, the, of the program, and he gets to pick and choose the duties that he wants to, to handle. When you're the head coach at Missouri, and this is true of a lot of state you know, flagship schools and state universities, you're touring the state from time to time, right? You're, mm-hmm. as John Sunvold reminded mm-hmm. me, you're, you're going to Higginsville, to Hannibal, to Sedalia, mm-hmm. to, to barbecues, to social events, representing the university and your, you know, and your basketball program and glad-handing and doing all the things that you have never done before are doing for the first time and may not be terribly comfortable doing it. Yeah. And taking away from the, the coaching uh, yeah. aspect of, of the job and for a 32 year old or 33 year old who you know who had been nothing but about winning basketball from from his high school days at Mercer Island Washington and Seattle to his three final fours as a Duke point guard um, to getting on the bench uh, he spent one year as an assistant for the LA Clippers before going back to the Duke bench and uh, and serving under under Mike Krzyzewski going to uh, final, you know, that, that great team they had in 99 and now all of a sudden being asked to do some things that you've never done that may not be terribly comfortable for you know not in your wheelhouse yeah so to speak especially not in your wheelhouse in a part of the country where you've never lived Unf- very I unfamiliar mean, right if you went back to Mercer Island or around Seattle if he was in Carolina maybe those things just sort of you know unspool in a different way and it's just he's he's just in his element but he, he wasn't in his element, and for a lot of reasons that you just said. There's there's four, five, six reasons that it's a, a sort of a just a lot of contrast and not discomfort necessarily, but things that are new to him. Let's just, yeah. just put yeah. it that way, new to him entirely. So, it yeah. So Missouri, Missouri basketball has had four coaches since Quinn Snyder left. Mike Anderson, Frank Haith, Kim Anderson, and now Conzo Martin. They've had successful years. Mike Anderson went to an Elite Eight. So did um, uh, uh, Frank Haith didn't, but had a had the great team. And yeah, that was one of the best teams I ever saw. And it's a shame that they lost yeah, that in, in, to uh, Norfolk in State. Two thousand and twelve. Yeah. Uh, Kim Anderson didn't work out at all. Yeah. And Conzo Martin has been to a couple of NCAA tournaments, but there hasn't been really the stretch of success that Missouri knew for those first four years under Quinn where they won five they won five NCAA tournament games and did get to an elite eight um, so I don't want to say that if it had worked out if Quinn Snyder had been able to build on the success of his first four years I don't maybe he'd still be at Missouri who knows or maybe, or maybe he would have been um, he, he'd, he'd be the Duke successor yeah, yeah. You know, to, to Krzyzewski now. <coughs> but as it turns out, um, he, he's, he, 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 took the, he took the road less traveled uh, to redeem his coaching career 
first of all, he decided to stay in coaching. He didn't let the Missouri experience yeah. Yeah. just sour him completely yeah. and end up becoming you know a stockbroker, right? Yeah. He stayed in coaching. Um, and I think one thing that we need to appreciate about him is he's, he's he was such a high IQ guy, and he got to study the game under Mike Krzyzewski, Larry Brown with his year in the Clippers, Greg Popovich while he was at the Austin Toros, mm-hmm. which are associated with the San Antonio Spurs. Here's a smart guy who associated himself with some the, the greatest coaching minds of all mm-hmm. time, and maybe that's what we're seeing with the Utah Jazz right now. Yeah, I, I think so. It makes sense if you look at it over time, right? All the all the all the influences he's had, the the obvious charisma, the obvious IQ, um, understanding of the game. I think really understanding of people. Um, I think it's funny to think about it this way, Blair. But this is probably true. He was probably so. What was he? Thirty eight, thirty nine when he lost his job at yeah. Missouri. Probably the first time in his life he'd failed. I mean, in any notable way. It has right? to be right. I mean, at least let's let's just say in, in terms of you know career basketball, yeah, you know, yeah. Whatever, whatever. I mean, the, the thing that we know him best for. So you're, you're right. You go kind of two ways from that. I mean, but clearly he, uh, he 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 caught himself. I mean, one way or another. It's a it's. I I do wish. I hope at some point like let's say they're in the NBA finals and somebody's there like Blair Kirkhoff is out there and get them talking about um, just tell us about what you learned from Missouri the, yeah the lessons learned at, at Missouri because as you point out in your story today it it's hard i've never i've never seen i've never found the the story where he talks about what he learned from Missouri i think you were looking for it and i i don't recall ever seeing that couldn't find it and one way or another, I, he seems to like to talk about Austin as being his his pivot point, but really, Missouri is. I mean, if if you really get right down to it, absolutely, it is. It's the place where it stopped. It was, and then Austin becomes the new beginning. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but it's not the turning point. I mean, the mm-hmm. turning point is what do you do now after Missouri? It's it's really interesting, and. It, I, I'd like to think he'd be open to the discussion, but I but there seems to be a reason he hasn't been. I can't imagine he hasn't been asked. Um, and we haven't been in a position, right? Really. We've not been around him. Um, I, I, it's just not, you know, it's a different sphere than we're able to be around typically. Um, yeah. Oh well, uh, you're right. If he's if, if they get to the NBA Finals, there are big media opportunities. Yeah. I, I've covered NBA Finals and. Uh, every day, the coach talks to the media, whether they're playing or not, even yeah. the off days. So maybe, uh, maybe that'll be the opportunity. I hope so. Um, yeah. I, I don't think we would cover it, but uh, and maybe, heck, maybe they'll be on Zoom calls. Yeah. Unlike this conversation, <laughs> which is in person, um, <laughs> thankfully and happily, um, maybe, maybe uh, if it is a Zoom thing, maybe we can jump on. Yeah. Well, we should stay alert to it. I have enjoyed this conversation, Bob. Same, Blair. Thanks for thanks for having me in your in your crib. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it again. We'll uh, we'll find another topic to discuss sometime. Right. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking Quinn Snyder and Mizzou. Links to stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. 
Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website, and of course they appear first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, you just send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode. I bet we talk Royals.